Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. All right, so tonight that brings us to Philippians chapter number 1, verse 12. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter number 1, verses 12 through 26. This is a, um, a good little group of verses that we'll try to go over tonight, but I think that the points will actually help us be able to fly through them pretty well. So Philippians chapter number 1, Verse 12 through 26 is where we're going to be for our second lesson tonight. This is Paul continuing really the same thought that he closed with last week. His introduction, he goes through how he's thankful for them. He goes through how he's desirous to see them, how much he loves them. And then he goes through and says, this is what I'm praying for you. And he really continues in verse number 12. It's kind of a new section. I guess if you wanted to say it like this, this would kind of be the paragraph break of chapter number one. So he says this, But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. What do you think verse 12 is alluding to? The things which have happened to me. Anybody? Jail, Jail prison, yeah could be a lot more things but specific to his current situation he's talking about prison he's he's had other things occur as a result of serving God but specifically he is referring to prison it continues in verse number 13 so that my bonds in Christ which is a play on words there if you want to if you catch that he's basically talking about I'm in chains physically but I am also chained to Christ as his servant my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add to my affliction or add to affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Verse number 18, when I was reading through this book again, actually made me laugh out loud, okay? LOL, if you want to abbreviate that, all right? But verse number 18, I want you to almost catch number one, how opposite this is from how we typically respond. But almost catch his tone here verse number 18 what then notwithstanding every way whether in pretense or in truth christ is preached and i therein do rejoice yea and will rejoice so he's just gone through a list of ways that people tend to share the gospel he says some share it out of envy and strife and some share it contentiously and some share it out of love and goodwill but he says What's, what's my response to that? My response is, I don't care how it's shared, I'm excited because the gospel is preached. That is so not the way we typically live as 21st century Christians, is it? Well, they didn't do it my way, so I guess that means they didn't do it right at all. 
could God even have used them because they didn't have this on, or they, they didn't use this, this prop, or they didn't use this PowerPoint, or they didn't have cool gra- Could God have used them? He says, I don't care how it's happening. All I care about is that Christ is preached, and because of that, I am going to rejoice. Verse number 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you all for your for all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you so here's the kind of key thought from these verses if you want to write it down in your introduction is that joy is found in fulfilling your purpose in the gospel joy is found by fulfilling your purpose in the gospel, or if you want to say it like this, as a servant of God. You will find your joy not when all of a sudden you get everything figured out in life. You will find your joy not when you finally find the job you're meant to have. You will find your joy not when you find that perfect someone that you get to marry. No, you will find joy specifically Christian biblical christ-like joy you will find that when you find your purpose in god's master plan as one of his servants and so with that in mind let's pray and we'll look at uh our verses tonight and a couple of thoughts from them let's pray dear heavenly father lord i pray that you would help us tonight lord help us as we look into your word lord may we take it and apply it to our lives lord may we see that sometimes when things seem uncertain when sometimes things seem difficult that when we step back and we realize that we are a part of your plan, it should cause us to have joy. There will be things that we don't understand. There will be difficult times that we may not know how to navigate. But through it all, Lord, we know that you're in control, and that should be a source of our joy. Lord, I pray that you would help me uh, to have the words that I need to tonight. Lord, you know that I have a lot of thoughts that I would like to share, a lot of things that I feel like would be helpful Lord, I pray that I would say only that which you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would bless uh, our class tonight. Lord, help us uh, to take your word and apply it to our hearts. Lord, may we not focus on what I have to say, but what, on y- what you have to say through me. In your name we pray. Amen. The Christian life and life in general is often referred to as a journey. We all have been to um, some store or maybe you've been in someone's house to where there's some little cliche sign about how that the journey is better than the destination or that you need to find joy in the journey. How many of you have ever seen something like that, right? We hear it. It kind of has become old hat. It's kind of become cliche. However, here's what we need to realize is that for the Christian, the destination is going to be greater than the journey. All right. 
the destination is going to be greater than the journey. So that little catchy phrase does actually not apply to you as a child of God, because I'll just tell you that heaven is going to be sweeter than this earth. However, we cannot make the mistake of just because we know that the destination is going to be better than the journey here on this earth, we cannot make the mistake that we need to wait until the destination to experience joy. I believe that as, I, as you look at Scripture and as you, specifically as you study this book, that there is actually an opportunity for the child of God to experience the joy of heaven while here on this earth. Now obviously it won't compare, it will be much more inconsistent, but there is a way to experience spiritual, Christ-like, heavenly joy here in the midst of earthly chaos. And the only way that that occurs is by really the way that Paul sums it up, and he sums it up better than me, is in verses 20 through 23. He says that according to his earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing he'll be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also shall Christ be magnified in my body. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet I shall choose what I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. The truth is, is that for most of us, we would have a hard time saying and articulating those words, wouldn't we? I have found that for most Christians and most human beings, here's the way that we view our joy here on this earth. We really view it in one of two ways. The bad way to view it is, well, basically I can have so much joy on this earth that I have no need to go to heaven. And typically the Christian, specifically, who says that is someone who's carnal, someone who loves the world, someone who loves the things that are in it, and they have completely missed out on their relationship with God. And that is a terrible way to view your joy. A little bit better of a way, but not the best way, but a little bit better of a way to view it is, well, I'm not joyful here on this earth, and so heaven is really my exit strategy to finally experience joy. That is still placing your joy in God's hands and in in heaven, and by the way, you deserve to be commended for that. But Paul's way that he says that he has found joy is he says, heaven is far better than anything that I can have here. But if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be joyful. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to be fruitful. I'm not just going to wait on heaven to get my joy. I'm going to actually seek to experience it here. So he gives us the best biblical perspective. So how do we find it? How do we experience this heavenly joy in earthly bodies? How do we possess spiritual bliss amidst earthly chaos. Tonight, here's what I want us to see, is that joy is found in fulfilling your purpose in God's plan. So let's look at four ways that that's done. First of all, joy is found in a bigger purpose. Joy is found in a bigger purpose. He says this in verse number 12, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, 
that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul is writing this from a jail cell in chains, yet somehow he chooses to find the positive. He doesn't dig deeper into himself and say, well, well, who am I? What is good in me? And that's what I'm going to dwell on. Or how can I take this and make it a good situation? There was none of those options. Paul had already in Romans written about how he was not as good as what he thought he was. He says, that which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't do, that's what I should be doing. And he goes through this this list of things about how his flesh fights his spirit. So he's not going to dig deeper into himself. But I want you to notice this. He doesn't look inward. He looks upward and outward. He doesn't look inward. He looks upward and he looks outward. And let me just go ahead and before we get to really the end of the application of this thought, let me just go ahead and say that if you are counting and dependent upon finding your joy within yourself, you will struggle. Christian joy is not found within, it is found without and it is found with God. And he steps back and he says, I have really nothing to rejoice about other than this simple fact that I'm a part of something bigger that I cannot describe. And so the first thing that he mentions that is obviously a much bigger purpose is he mentions the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. He says this in verses 12 and 13. He starts off and he very clearly says, but I would ye should understand. I think that's a crucial phrase. One of the things that I do when I study these passages is I'll take these verses and I'll print them out on just an eight and a half by 11 and I'll space them out real big and I'll try to go through and highlight and try to find key phrases. And for whatever reason, I didn't really highlight this one until today. But this is why this is so crucial. Paul loves this church and these Christians so much that he says, I want you to understand something. This isn't me just putting on a gimmick. This isn't me just putting on a show because I get to write a letter and you guys don't really, and you guys don't really know how I feel. But he says, I would that ye would understand this, that what I'm going through right now has caused the gospel to move forward, has caused me to be a part of something that I would not have gotten to be a part of. And there are times that you will go through hard things in your life, that you will experience things that you don't understand, that you will experience trials, that you will experience difficulties. And in those moments, it is important for you not to turn the focus inward, but to look outward and say, what is this doing for someone else? You know, as I read this and as I really was typing out this thought in my notes, I thought about how many doctor's offices have had the opportunity to have the gospel shared in him because a Christian went in there with joy in the midst of a hard time. How many jail cells have, ha- have had the gospel preached and lived in them because someone chose to follow Jesus Christ and chose to preach the gospel and live it even in the midst of a hard time? And when you're going through something, yes, it can steal your joy. 
I'm not telling you that you have to skip through hard times. I'm not telling you that you always have to be singing and have a happy face on. But here's what I am telling you is there needs to be a joy that comes from within you to think that this could open up a door of opportunity for the gospel to move forward. Isn't that the whole reason why we're here? Aren't we here for the Great Commission? Jesus didn't, go, Jesus didn't say, go ye into all the world and make people physically fit. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and, and make everybody financially stable. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make Facebook followers. No, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. And if that is our only command, then we should be excited when maybe something difficult comes in our life that helps with that purpose. So the furtherance of the gospel. But then notice, secondly, not only the furtherance of the gospel is a bigger purpose, but he says the growth of believers is a bigger purpose. Look at verse number 14. He says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So not only does he say the gospel went forward, but he starts to look around at other believers and he said, my hard time made someone else more confident. And here's the application of really this thought and we'll move on to the next one. Sometimes your trials and difficulties are not always intended to grow you as much as they are intended to grow those around you. And if you're not careful, you will get so focused on what that trial is doing to you that you'll fail to see how it is affecting those around you. And that is why I firmly believe that we need to begin to understand, and I don't want to use this term because it almost doesn't seem to do it justice, but we need to learn how to steward our trials. How do we make God look good through our hard times? How do we give God glory when we're going through something that no one else understands? And if you can possess an inward Christ-like spiritual joy in the midst of hard times, it will further the gospel but it will also help those that are sitting right beside you. It's a testimony to your walk with God, to your relationship with Jesus Christ, when you can say, I don't understand it, I don't get it, yes, it's hard, yes, it's burdensome, but I thank God that He's doing something through me. I thank God that He is doing something in my life and through my life. So I want to spend just a couple moments concluding this thought talking about God's will. Talking about God's will. Now here's the deal, okay? This is, for whatever reason, we have made God's will super shady and mysterious and almost like spooky sounding, okay? I want to talk to you about it for just a moment. What is your purpose on this earth? Think about it, don't answer it. What is your purpose on this earth? Now, I know that for most of us in this room, your brain just went a million different directions, okay? Well, my purpose is to marry this person, or my pur purpose is to have this much money, or my purpose is this job, or my purpose is... And you can go a million different directions, but let's just make it really simple right here, right now. 
as a child of God and as a human being that was created by God, your purpose is very simple. As a created human being of God, your purpose is to glorify God. Revelation 4.11, okay? Your purpose is to glorify God. So let's ask a difficult question. In how you're living your life right now, are you glorifying God? And what's on your phone, are you glorifying God? And the shows that you're watching, is it glorifying God? And the music that you're listening to, is it glorifying God? And the conversations that you're having, is it glorifying God? If not, then let's come to Scripture and let's, let's determine this. That that could be a source of why you don't have joy. Let's go to the second thought. Is that as a disciple... As someone who says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, God's will, God's purpose for your life is that you would share His name and that you would share the gospel. That you would live a life that is a light to those around you. Are you doing that? Is your life a furtherance of the gospel? We're not even talking about hard times right now. We're just talking about normal day-to-day life. Is that, is that a part of your life? If not, could it be that that is a source of why you don't have joy? The last question is that as a Christian, you do not exist on an island. You are a part of a body. You are a part of a church. You are a part of Jesus Christ. So what are you doing for those around you? Are you known as the gossip or are you known as the negative person or are you known as the person who's always trying to drum something up or are you known as the person who goes behind someone's back or who's unfriendly or who whatever, who lies? There's a, there's a multitude of different accusations we can throw out there, okay? But what are you doing to encourage the body of Christ? And could it be that the reason that you don't have joy is simply because you're not fulfilling God's will for your life? What you know that you're supposed to be doing? Now, I want to take just a moment and take those three thoughts, and there's many more things that we can talk about, but I want to take just a moment and take those three thoughts and show you something. Many times we operate on the assumption that God's will is very specific. And by the way, it is and it can be. It can be as specific as you want it to be. But for most of us, the reason that we question God's will is because of the specifics, isn't it? Well, who am I going to marry? Am I supposed to work here? Am I not supposed to work here? Am I supposed to, t- supposed to do this? Am I not supposed to do this? Am I supposed to move? Am I supposed to stay? Am I supposed to live here? Am I not supposed to live here? Who am I supposed to date? We get hung up on the specifics. And here's what I, here's what I firmly believe about God's will. I believe that there are times in our life to where the specifics are very, very clear. God, you want me doing this at this time, at this place, with this person, and I'm going to do it. But there's sometimes that this is super cloudy, isn't it? Like, eh. And if we're not careful, we can be unhappy because we don't have this and forget that we have God's will. And let me just say this. 
that if you're living a life that is glorifying to God, if you're living out your purpose and sharing the gospel with those around you and being a light to those around you, if you're a part of a body and it is in, and you're encouraging others and they're encouraging you, the specifics will come. And in fact, I think that most of the time the specifics don't matter that much when this is present. I was just talking to someone the other day and I've heard, I can't tell you how many people wiser than me, but they said, God's not going to get mad at you if you're a missionary and he didn't call you. Like, oops, I'm sorry, God, I went and led people to the Lord in Africa and just totally missed your, your will. So sorry, God. He's going to be okay with that. Because you're glorifying him, you're sharing the gospel, you're encouraging other believers, you're doing his will you just maybe didn't have the specifics. And guess what? When you're faithful to do this, I've also firmly believed that the specifics come. The times in my life that I've lacked the most clarity about the specifics have not been the time for me just to say, well, pfft, if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, then I guess I don't need to be sharing the gospel. If I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I guess I can skip out on church. If I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I guess I can just watch whatever show I want. No. And sometimes because we don't know who we're supposed to marry, we think that justifies, well, I just get to sleep around with whoever. No. That's not the way the will of God works. The way that the will of God works is do what you know and let Him show you where you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? We make it way harder than it needs to be. And if you're doing this, joy is going to come. Clarity is going to come. Direction is going to come because you're doing what God has told you to do. So first of all, I want you to notice that joy is, fi is found in a bigger purpose. But then secondly, the rest of these will be quicker. Joy is found in the fulfillment of a bigger purpose. Now you say that's the same thing. No, it's not. Let me show you. Verse number 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add to my affliction to uh, add to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of Jesus, uh, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So here's what he's saying. He says, I'm going to find joy in knowing that I'm a part of a bigger purpose. But I'm also going to find joy in seeing that accomplished. And guess what? Chances are it might not be done the way that you think it is. Which leads us to our first thought. And here's what I want you to see is that Paul gives a couple of things about the purpose, the bigger purpose of God. In verse number 15, notice that the fulfillment of the purpose may not always be done your way. The fulfillment of the purpose may not always be done your way. Sometimes we're like little kids, and we miss the fact that if we are a part of the purpose of God, it may not happen the way we thought it did. It should. And sometimes we stomp our feet and cross our arms and pitch a fit because God didn't do it our way. And we fail to see that God is doing it. 
And sometimes we would rather it be done our way than it be done at all. We'd rather do it the we'd rather God accept our plans than for him to work his plan and maybe work around us or put us through something that we didn't think we should. And Paul, as he introduces this thought of being a part of a bigger purpose, the fulfillment, he says, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and of strife and some also of goodwill. He says, some don't do it the way that I would do it, but some do. So let's keep moving. He says, the fulfillment of the purpose may be burdensome. The fulfillment of the purpose may be burdensome. Look at verse number 16. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. He says, I'm in jail. You've got people who are preaching the gospel in a way that I wouldn't preach it, and that bothers me. That's a burden to me. It's an affliction. But there's also the fulfillment of the purpose may require determination. But he says, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So he says this, if you're preaching it the wrong way, that's a burden to me. If you're preaching it the right way, then you've got a teammate. And I'm going to help you fight through this. I'm going to be determined because I'm going to defend the gospel. I'm here for that. But then notice that he also says the fulfillment of the purpose should bring rejoicing. I want you to look at verse number 18. This is so powerful. I want, you to, I want you to catch this, okay? I don't know that I'm going to describe it perfectly, but I want you to see it. Verse number 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Can you get the picture here for just a second? That as Paul sits in a jail, chances are he alludes to bonds throughout the book. Chances are he's actually writing this in chains. And as the chain clanks, and he says, some people don't do ministry and fulfill their purpose the way that I think they should. But he says, what's my response? Whether it be preached in pretense or whether it be preached in truth, Christ is preached. And I will rejoice. I'm excited not about the way that it was done. I'm excited not because it's been burdensome. I'm excited because the purpose of God has been fulfilled. So let's pull that out. Let's make a personal application for just a second. When God's plan is done in a way that you would not have done it, can you still rejoice? When God's plan brings you problems that you did not anticipate, can you still rejoice? I've had a couple of conversations over the last couple of weeks and months with people about how they feel, like, about how their joy is maybe being stolen or they feel like they're being robbed of it. They don't feel like they're being joyful. It's some of the reason why we're in this book. And some of it's just been kind of taking a temperature and, and analyzing my own life. And some of it's been analyzing the lives of others. But there's been a reoccurring question. And it goes back to really our first thought, and that's this. 
when you say, I feel like I don't have joy, or maybe you wouldn't say it, but you, you feel it, okay? Chances are we feel it far before we ever get to the point where we can say it. I'm missing that. Then let me ask you, and let me let you think about two questions. First of all, are you in God's will? Second of all, are you joyful in God's will? And here's really the negative side of both uh, of that coin. Either A, you're not joyful because you're not in God's will. Or B, you're not joyful in God's will. And both of those are really bad places for the Christian to be. Because if you're not in God's will, then I guarantee you you're not going to find joy. But if you're not joyful in God's will, then basically what you're saying is, God, I know I'm in the right spot, but I'm not happy about it. And that is a dangerous place to be because unlike the other one, you can fix not being in God's will pretty quickly. But what we're talking about when you say, I'm unhappy in God's will, I'm unjoyful in God's will, here's what we're saying. God, I could have done it better than you, and that is a heart problem. And yes, it can be fixed, but here's the scary thing. That's some roots of bitterness. That is you saying, God, I know I'm in the right spot, but I'm not going to be joyful about it. And let me also say, God doesn't use people like that. I think that sometimes we get this, this almost like, we think that there's more crowns in heaven for people that are miserable in ministry. Like, have you ever noticed that? Like, like there's like, how, how was class today? Oh, it's awful. Oh, okay. Sorry I asked. Right? Well, how's things going at your church? Like, I get, I get to go to a lot of meetings. And by the way, sometimes it's just people being honest, which I understand that. I don't also want someone being like, things are great! And it's like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> so there's a balance there. But sometimes we've got this belief that it's like, well, I've got to be miserable and serving God. No! No! In fact, I don't think, I don't, not that I don't think, I know that's not the way God wants it. So you've got to come to grips with those two questions. Either A, are you in God's will? And if you're not, then let's get in it. Or B, are you unjoyful in God's will? Are you choosing to say, I have, some, I have a beef with God because of how he did it? Notice thirdly, okay, we'll move on. Notice thirdly. The joy is found in the process of the fulfillment of a bigger purpose. Joy is found in the process of the fulfillment of a bigger purpose. Sorry, I didn't give you your last one. Fulfillment of the purpose brings change. Fulfillment of the purpose brings change. That's verse number 19. When he says the word salvation, he's not talking about spiritual salvation. He's talking about physical salvation from his situation. Okay, that was the thought for that. But joy is found in the process of of the fulfillment of a bigger purpose. He says this in verse number 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, 
whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, that is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. So here's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the journey. We're not talking about the destination. We're talking about the journey. What should that look like for the Christian? First of all, the process should be expectant. A lot of these come from verse number 20. The process should be expectant. He was looking forward to what is next, according to my earnest hope and expectation. He said, notice, secondly, that the process should be hopeful. The process should be hopeful. Thirdly, the process should be bold and unashamed. The process should be bold and unashamed. Hey, you're a Christian. Why is God putting you through something difficult? I'm not really sure, but I'm excited that he's doing it. I'm excited that he's working in my life. I would love to be able to sit down and talk to you and tell you how God is doing it. I would love to sit down and tell you what I think he might be doing and what I'm looking forward to. Do you see how that's different than, ugh, he's still working on me. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. It's miserable. It's no fun. It's a heavy burden. No. It's exciting because if God's still working on you, that means he's not done with you. So it should be bold and unashamed. The process should magnify Christ. He says that Christ be magnified. The process should be fruitful. Look at verse number uh, 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. When he says this, I happen to believe that he's talking about the thoughts that he just said, but also the people of that church. That this is the fruit of my labor. You, Philippi, your fruit to my account. My hope, that's fruit. My expectation, that's fruit. My boldness, that's fruit. But this, this ministry, this purpose, that is fruit. But then notice lastly that the process should be trusting. The process should be trusting. I almost use the word here indifferent. I want you to look at the wording of verse number 22. Right after he says the, probably one of the most familiar verses of the, verse of the book of Philippians, he says, For to me to live is Christ. If I'm still alive, I'm going to serve Christ. And to die is gain. But if I die, that's all right. But then he says this, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. That's not indifference. That's trust. It almost sounds like he doesn't care. But when you understand the character of Paul and the background of this book, He's not being indifferent. He's just saying, I trust God. It's going to be okay. He's got it figured out. And I'm going to either bear fruit here or I'm going to die and go to be with Him. Which leads us to, well, before we move on to this last thought, sometimes we can allow the, the, the problems in the journey, okay, the process, what we're talking about, 
we can allow those things, those burdens, those trials to steal our joy. But joy is only found in the process as we display the attributes in Scripture toward the process. If we get frustrated every time the bank account gets low, if we get stressed every time something doesn't go the way that we think it should, if we get bothered every time something is not the way that we think it should, here's what we're doing is we're not applying principles of Scripture. I heard someone share this thought the other day that what makes you anxious is what you prioritize. What makes you anxious is what you prioritize. Look over the course of the last week. What made you upset? What made you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach that... uh... And by the way, they're not bad things. Some of you that are going to school right now, I'm not saying that it's like a test shouldn't make you anxious. Like, eh, didn't study, things are great, right? I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying is that most of the time what makes, makes us anxious, stressed, maybe the things that we misunderstand, things that work us up, are normally not the priorities of God. Normally they're things that we have elevated to a position to where we feel the need to stress about them. Oh man, I don't have any money, I don't have any money. Which by the way, money's, money's okay. Like I'm not saying like, Don't worry about it. (laughs) No, get a job, all right? Don't spend so much, whatever. But most of the time, what makes us anxious are things that we have elevated to an unhealthy level. We've chosen not to trust God to take care of those things. And you will not see joy in the journey, or to go with the term here, you will not see joy in the process unless you step back and say, I'm going to be trusting. I'm going to be expectant. I don't understand it. I don't have the next 100 steps. Life doesn't work like a Lego set, okay? You don't know what's next. But I can promise you this, you serve a God and can find joy in the process by saying, I'm going to be trusting, I'm going to be hopeful, I want to magnify Christ through all this. And lastly, is that joy is found in the people also fulfilling that bigger purpose. Joy is found in the people also fulfilling that bigger purpose. Look at verse number 23. I think these verses are so cool, and here's why. I I can't really get over how much Paul loves these people. I can't really get over the fact that he is, he is being upbeat and excited for them in prison because they bring him that much hope. I, I made a little bit of light of it last week, but Paul's sitting in jail and he didn't choose the church of Corinth to write to. Okay? He wasn't like, oh man, you know who I would really love to write to? Those guys who don't have it figured out. No, he says, I want to write to Philippi because there's something about that church that excites me. And we see that in verses 23 through 26 once again. So much so that here's what Paul is struggling with. He says, I'm kind of at a crossroads. 
I'm ready to go and meet Jesus, but I also would kind of like to come and see you guys. That's how much he thinks of them. That he says, eh, heaven, Jesus, church of Philippi. I'm, I'm struggling with that. What a testimony for this church. Verse 23 says, For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So he does at least recognize that going to heaven is better. Okay. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, you guys need me. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. It's like what Josh, when he answered the question, he says, you guys are already on the same track, keep, right track, just keep going. He says, for your furtherance, that your rejoicing may start. Is that what he says? Not if you're looking. <laughs> I got you. That you're rejoicing, that you guys should start rejoicing. Is that what it says? Look at the verse. Verse 26. Okay, that's where we're at. Is that what it says? The answer is no. You can shake your head no. All right? No. He says that your rejoicing may be more abundant. He says you guys are already rejoicing. But if I get there, man, it's going to be game on rejoicing, right? That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Notice that he says, in Jesus Christ. He says, when I get there, I don't want you holding up signs. Welcome home, Paul. Welcome back. We're so excited for you. Congratulations, Paul, on your release from prison. No, it's not about Paul. It's about Jesus. It's about God. So what, is, what does he show us here? First of all, he shows us that there is a desire in verse number 23. There's a desire to go to heaven, but there's also a desire to come and see these, these Christians. But verse 24 and 25 shows us that there is a need. There is a need. He says that seeing him in the flesh is more needful for them. He says, I know that I shall abide and continue so that your joy and faith can be furthered. But there's also an effect. Verse number 26 the effect is that their rejoicing would be more abundant. Not in Paul. Paul, you the man. Yeah, we love Paul. Woo, good job, Paul. I heart Paul. No. I heart Jesus. I'm excited about what God's done in his life. I'm not excited about Paul. I'm excited about Jesus. Yes, joy can be found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. But doesn't it help having someone alongside of you that is, that is on that same search as well? Joy is found only in Jesus Christ. But that path would be pretty lonely if it was just us, wouldn't it? Jesus brings people who are going to the same destination and on the same journey... And he places them alongside of us as Christians so that when we get discouraged, we can look around and say, hey, it's all right. I'm not in this alone. We're all going toward the same goal. So I want to ask you this simple question. Who needs to see your joy? Who could be helped by your display of Christ-like joy?
Could you say with Paul that you would be joyful if you saw Jesus or you would be joyful if you got to stay on this earth and help others? I know that that was a lot of content. That was a lot of verses, subpoints. But let me just kind of crack open the shell for just a second and talk to your heart, okay? At the core of, this, of these verses and specifically this lesson, it's simply a surrender passage. All it boils down to. There's a lot of talk about joy. There's a lot of talk about trials. There's a lot of talk about difficulty. But you crack it all open and essentially what this is, is Paul saying, are you going to do what God wants you to do or not? Because if you do, there's joy there. If you choose to trust him, even when it doesn't make sense, there's joy there. And yes, this was maybe four different thoughts, but can I show you one thing before we pray and are done? It's actually a process. It's actually step-by-step instructions on how to find joy. He says, joy is found in finding a bigger purpose. The gospel and the growth of Christians is bigger than all of us. If I thought that I could do the Great Commission by myself, I'd do it. But guess what? That is impossible. So that is much bigger than anything that any... You put this room combined. It's bigger than all of us. That's the bigger purpose. The growth of Christian believers, that's bigger than me. If I think that I'm making, punching some hole in, in the hearts and lives of Christians and young adults, I hope I'm making an impact, but here's the truth. This is a small drop in the bucket compared to Christianity around the world. And Paul says, what I'm going through is bigger. This is bigger than me. So I'm going to be excited that I get to be a part of it, but I'm also going to be excited when I get to see it happen. Yeah, it didn't go the way that I thought it would. Yeah, I, I probably saw this going differently. When I saw, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, I thought that was kind of the end of hard times. But yet, here I sit in a jail cell with, chained up to someone. That's not what I saw. I saw people doing this much differently than what I thought. I saw people be more, being more loving in how they preached. I saw people preaching like this. I saw people sharing... But I'm just excited that it's happening. Not only in the fulfillment, but in the process. And guess what? As I get the opportunity to keep going for God, you better bet that I'm going to be expectant. I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to be bold and unashamed. But I'm also going to look at those around me and say, this is what serving God has gotten me. This is what being a part of God's purpose has brought into my life. And if you're not careful, we will get hung up right here. Oh man, this is so hard. This is so stupid. I don't get it. I don't know why people are mocking me at school. I don't know why my coworkers call me church boy or church girl. I don't know why no one will come with me to church. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. So pfft, there's that. 
And here's kind of like a sidebar to this conversation that we're having with ourselves, okay? But God, I'm not going to do those things, but I still want you to show me who you want me to marry. I still want the perfect job. I still want this. I still want that. So if you could kind of like reveal all of that will, will for me, but yet I'm not going to. No. These go hand in hand. And here's what I firmly believe is that as you say, I'm excited to be a part of a bigger purpose. Okay, well, now we're taking steps. I'm also excited when however it's fulfilled. Well, now all of a sudden God is bringing you to the point to where I don't get this thing. This is a weird journey. This is a weird process, but I'm excited about what God is doing. And look at all of the people. Do you see now how you can look back over that and his will lines up with this? That if you can't get, all, if you can't get out of the batter's box, don't expect a home run of a spiritual life. Okay? If you can't get out of the batter's box, don't expect a home run of finances. If you can't get out of the batter's box, don't expect Jesus to just start piling on all these things. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you did go through some tough times. Well, here, here's this. Here, here's a great girlfriend. She's super godly. Here's a great boyfriend. He's super godly. And he's cute. Oh, wow. Just the cherry on top, right? God's specific will occurs as a result of practicing his general will. And yes, that's going to be hazy. And yes, that might not be super clear sometimes. But as you keep working through this process, God's bringing people. God's bringing different opportunities. God brings jobs. God brings different resources. And at the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and say, Whoa, that's not the way that I would have done it. That's not the way that I saw this happening. But I'm glad that by the time I got here, I can step back and say I'm thankful for it. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we'll pray and we'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help me to have used my words the way that you wanted me to. Lord, I pray that you would have helped me to show these young adults not only some principles about joy, but how joy lines up with just fulfilling your plan and fulfilling your purpose. Lord, I know that many of them are really at a crossroads to where it seems like maybe you're not working something out the way that they thought that it should. Some of them are having hard times. Some of them have questions about things. Some of them don't understand certain aspects of their life. And sometimes, if nothing else, we can look at our world and say, well, we certainly don't understand this. But Lord, as we choose to find joy in you and being a part of a bigger purpose, as we choose to see it fulfilled, maybe in some ways that we didn't even understand, we choose to find joy in the process and find joy in the people that you've placed around us. I believe that your specific will will line up with that. It will walk hand in hand together as we choose to just simply do what you've asked us to do. God, I'm thankful that you are a God who has a will for our lives. I'm thankful that you're a God that can give joy in the journey and in the destination. So Lord, may we commit to following your plan and your purpose tonight so that we can experience joy from heaven 
while here on earth. Give us a good rest of the night. Lord, bless us as we go throughout our, our evening and our week. May we search for joy and find it in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Before you leave, really quickly. Um, Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.